So why not invest in a creator um, in their career? Give them money up front to invest in content or for just financial security. In my case, they told me, like, you, if you feel that if you buy a house that gives you more energy to create, then do it. If you want to hire an extra nanny to help you with the kids, then do it. This is the Create Your Smarts podcast, the number one podcast where you will learn to leverage your online following to build a smart and future-proof education business. I'm your host, Jan. Hey everybody, it's your Dutch friend Jan and you are listening to episode 154 of the Create Your Smarts podcast. And yes, today we are talking to Marina Mogilko, as you could see from the title. Um, Marina had been on my hit list for a while, so really happy to have her on and uh, talk about some really interesting stuff here. Because, yeah, Marina is an interesting person. Um, She doesn't just run one YouTube channel, she actually runs three channels. On top of that, she also runs a few startups together with her husband that based in Silicon Valley. And last year, she received a $1.7 million investment in her personal brand, or maybe I should say in her creator career. And in exchange for that, she, uh, well, she needs to give 5% of her future earnings uh, back to the investors. And that's a really interesting concept because usually investors invest in companies, right? Or in, well, commodities or in the stock exchange or whatever, but not really in a person. And that's what that that's what happened this time. So we're going to talk about how that deal worked, how she got it, if this is something that we're going to see more often in our industry. We're also going to talk about whether living in Silicon Valley is really worth it. And um, yeah, shorts, YouTube shorts is another topic that we're going to cover because she's really good at it. And uh, many of her shorts are going viral and it really helps her channels grow um, much faster than before. So... These were just a few things that we're going to talk about, but we're going to cover much more. If you guys are ready, then let's get started. Here's my interview with Marina. Oh yeah, and just a quick note here. There was a little delay in the connection, so sometimes it looks like she was interrupting me uh, when I was asking questions, but that was absolutely not the case. So, enjoy. Hey Marina, welcome to the Creator Smarts Podcast. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Hi, my name is Marina. I'm a creator and entrepreneur. I run three YouTube channels, Marina Mogilko, Lingo Marina, Silicon Valley Girl. And um, together with my husband, we started a business called LinguaTrip, which was initially a study abroad booking platform and later evolved into an online education portal for everyone who's learning English. And then we started a company, well, it's like a smaller uh, venture called Fluent Express, where native speakers correct your texts in English we try to do real time depends on where you are uh, in terms of like the time zone. Um, yeah. And I also have us like a mini school for creators who want to start posting uh, on YouTube, TikTok, shorts, etc. And um, I'm also off too. Yeah. I didn't know that you were the owner of Fluent Express. I've actually used it in the past. It's oh, really? Useful. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah, this is it's a funny story. My husband asked me to check every single email because he came to the U.S. with almost zero English. And he, as a CEO of the company, he had to interact with a lot of investors and partners. And he would ask me to check every single email. And at some point, I was so tired. I was like, come up with a solution to this, like hire someone to check your emails. And he's like, hmm, I'm not the only one having this problem. Let's, let's just build an app that would help others. Because it's only like... He, there is autocorrect on Google and there are other apps uh, 
who do that. But I think our problem was he was translating everything from Russian into English in his head. And the final yeah. result just didn't make sense, not from the grammatical standpoint, but from like the sense standpoint. So yeah. we really needed someone who would be like, ah, this is what you meant. Like, this is the way you say it in English. Um, yeah. So this is why we created it. So if, just for the audience, it's basically a Google Translate, but then with a human, right? The, so you there is the no translate option. No, it's just a, it's just a rewriting, I would say, option. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, 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 you paste the text that you've written in English, and then you basically have somebody proofread your... Uh, yeah, It's not a exactly. translation, your English text, and uh, exactly. it's human. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Take us back to the beginning, because you guys are originally from Russia. You're living in the States now. So at what point did you decide to move to the States? Is this before or while you were starting LinguaTrip? Take us back in time. Yeah, so in, we, we started the company in 2011, and it was just an offline business sending Russian students learn languages abroad. Um, mm. And... Uh, we always had this ambition of building something big and international. Um, and my husband, he's like all about innovation. So he was reading a lot about Silicon Valley and investment. But I was super skeptical. I was like, who needs us there? <laughs> like a couple of Russian um, students back then. Because we started a business at the age of 21. Um, but he was like, he was determined that someday we're going to be here. So when we started language, so it was initially an offline business in 2013. We're like, okay, in order to scale this, we need to build an online platform. And so in 2013, we started building it in 2014, we realized we would need outside investment to grow it. And so this is when we started fundraising and initially we started in St. Petersburg, Russia, which is not like the best place to fundraise. Um, and, uh, after that we started doing online fundraising, like reaching out to American accelerators. And um, yeah, in 2015, we got accepted to 500 startups. And this is how we moved. I've always had this idea of like moving somewhere because I was in this business of study abroad. And my initial goal was to move to Canada because they had those programs where you like study for a year and then they give you work permit and you can stay there and apply for residency. Uh, but California has always been a dream, which I thought is almost impossible because it's so expensive. And like, who needs us there, <laughs> etc. Yeah. Do you remember what the pitch was like back in, was it 2013? Because this was an offline company. I guess you guys were getting some traction. Like, I guess something was working. Like, how do you, why do you need the money? What was the, the pitch at the time? Do you remember? Yeah, the pitch was... The like study broad industry is like travel industry 10 years ago. And for travel industry, we have Booking, we have Expedia, we have Amadeus, which is like this huge system that runs on the back where you can book everything online. And for a study broad industry, the way it works is that you go through an individual consultant who would find a school for you. And then I was this consultant and I was processing all the bookings by myself. And that meant <laughs> either emailing a school, filling all the forms and they sometimes they would require a fax form like seriously 20 what was it 2013 and we're like we need a we need something new for the industry and uh, in russia nothing like that existed there were several online agencies in the us and europe but we thought like okay the market is really fragmented there is no big player that would dominate the market and there is no one in russian speaking market so let's try and create something like that. And 
You know, also back then, like if I were to create a business now, I would do my research on the market and I would be like, oh, what are the chances of dominating the market? Back then I was like, everyone needs to study abroad. We need this platform. Let's build. I don't care. Like, I don't care how big the market is. And I think it's the best approach when you do something that you're truly passionate about. Um, But then also 2014 was a hard year for businesses who were international based in Russia because with the Crimea and everything, uh, the ruble lost its value. People stopped traveling. And uh, so we were funding IT development of the platform from our own revenues. But then in 2014, I think it was like December 2014, we had almost zero bookings. So my husband got a job at another company. He was making like 700 bucks a month and we had to live on that and also pay our developer. We could only hire him for several hours a week. Fun times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and this, this is how we survived for some time. And then he asked his boss to give him a loan, which also helped us a little bit. And then we got investment, which was, yeah. And like at some stage, his boss was like, Dimas, just stop. Just, you know, you can you can take this money. It wasn't like a huge amount, but it was really meaningful for us. And he was like, just take this money. This is not going anywhere. You see what's going on in the world. Like, just, just get a job. You know, you have to support a family. And yeah. I remember I was in Moscow because we started an office there. And Dima called me and he was like, we just had this conversation with my boss. But, you know, we're going to keep pushing. I... I don't believe him, like things are going to get well. And yeah, it was interesting, interesting times. So was it that time that you started pitching investors in the uh, yeah, US? Yeah, that was the time where we're like, okay, we actually believe in this and let's see what other people say. How do you go about investing? I mean, I've never done it before. Like, what do you do? You go to Google, you look for VC firms and then you just reach out or how does that work? Uh, our process was reading about companies course in a similar space and there was a Russian company started by Russian American entrepreneurs who were based in Russia but they were able to raise from top Silicon Valley investors and we're reading their stories and we we just like we were sending messages on LinkedIn to Mark Zuckerberg to the CEO of Expedia who actually replied and we had a couple of phone phone calls with him and that was like so inspiring yeah it's just wow it's just interesting how open the world is. Sometimes you just text someone on LinkedIn and they get back to you. One of the first people who replied, uh, his name is Patrick Schneider-Sikorsky. He was an advisor to one of the language entrepreneurs in Russia. He was based in London. And now he runs a VC firm, but he became our first advisor. And he did a lot of intros at the beginning. Uh, And so, yeah, and we also like, we knew that the best way to raise for an early stage company was to go through an accelerator. So we started applying to Y Combinator, 500 startups, Techstars. There was another accelerator in Europe that we applied for. So we just did a lot of applications, a lot of calls with, so Patrick did some intros with YC graduates and they coached me on how to, how to create this application. They coached me on um, how to do the interview. And there was just this lucky moment when uh, John Ramey, who wasn't, who is an entrepreneur, he was visiting St. Petersburg uh, mm. and just helping out startups. And he was like, so I was, I pitched him our startup and it was like meeting number, I don't know, whatever, like 50, 60. And I was so tired of all of this. I just wanted to focus on the product. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll go there and pitch him. <laughs> Language trip. That was in P-Reserver back then, weird name. 
And I pitched him, and he's like, oh, let me help you. My ex-girlfriend works at 500 Startups. I can introduce you. I was like, is it a good idea to like go through ex-girlfriend? He's like, yeah, yeah, we're good friends now. And so he introduced us, and she accepted us because she just came back from Spain, oh, sorry, from Chile, learning Spanish. And she said, like, the process of booking a school was really crazy because she found mm. a school on TripAdvisor. And she had to call them to, to make a reservation. And she was like, why is there yeah. no service to that? And I'm like, yay, finally someone <laughs> understands the problem uh, and is pa as passionate about the problem as I am. Um, yeah, and she accepted us. And also Y Combinator, they invited us um, to, do, to go through the interview, which was, like, for us, it was also magic. They didn't accept us, but back then they paid for your flights and for your accommodation. And we, were, yeah. I, I had like a thousand bucks on my credit card, and the flight from Russia to Silicon Valley was like six hundred bucks, um, and uh, it really helped that they covered the cost of the flights and hotels. So, who ended up investing in a company? Was that that lady or five hundred startups? Yeah, Why? yeah, that lady oh, okay. who worked at five hundred. So we pitched her, and she pitched up the board mm -hmm. or whatever. So they accepted us. In their batch, batch 13, um, 500 startups. Yeah. And what was the deal? Is that public? Like the amount they invested? Oh, yeah. And it's $100,000 for 7% of the company. And the way it works is that they don't transfer you 100000 They transferred 75K because 25K was the fee for the program that we attended for four months. But I think it's like back then it was, of course, about the money because like for us, it was like it was a huge amount, but it's also about being able to pitch other investors at demo day when we had this event where I don't know maybe 400 investors came over to listen to our pitch, so we were able to raise more money after the program and just establish yeah. ourselves here in Silicon Valley as people who went through one of the best accelerators. So it was it was a game changer, 100 percent. Was that part of the deal that you had to move to Silicon Valley, or was it no. something that you wanted to do yourself? No, not we could we could do it. Well, like for for a study broad business, take into account that you have international presence. U.S. is the best in terms of like how you can make payments, and a lot of our partners are in the U.S., so it's just cheaper to run the company. In terms of like financial, financial side of yeah. it is easier and cheaper if you're based in the U.S. Uh, but they were also. You know, I know a lot of founders. We were like maybe fifty percent international, and a lot of I know a lot of people who moved back to their home countries. But there was no one from Russia, and Russia is like in terms of like internet, especially now. Um, it wasn't the best place to run business from. So we were like, we, we fell in love with Silicon Valley, and uh, we were like, we want to stay here. It's the most inspiring place in the world. How do you survive in Silicon Valley with a hundred thousand euros? I mean, uh, dollars. Sorry, maybe you had a bit more than that, but. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars. Well, first of all, we didn't we didn't have any employees here, so it's just us, and we didn't pay ourselves. We paid for our apartment, which was two thousand five hundred dollars, which was doable, and three of us lived there. Um, we bought a car for two thousand dollars, two thousand three hundred, something like that. Uh, I think I saw that picture on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like we like because we didn't pay taxes back then because we're immigrants and you know everything was a company expense it was easier now when we're yeah. residents here like everything is taxable and salary taxes uh they play a huge role but back then uh, 75k was okay like if you don't have kids if you don't need anything fancy you're just like kind of surviving it's fine <laughs> 
Yeah. All right. So at what point did you become a creator? Because at that time, you didn't really have an online presence yet, or did you? I started in before that, actually. I started in December okay, 2014 because I was like an, another plan B. Uh, plan B was for me to get accepted into an American university and for us to come here and start a company within the university. So I was applying for like master's and MBA programs. And uh, this is how I started the blog. This is when I discovered YouTube. I was like, wow, this is this whole platform with its own celebrities, with a lot of information. And I was consuming videos on how to take GMAT and TOEFL. I was like, okay, let me just record my experience. Let me create a video how I just took uh, GMAT. That was my first video. And this is how I started blogging. And then when we came to the US, I was like, let me document my journey here. And uh, yeah, but it, it wasn't it wasn't as serious as I am right now. <laughs> so you started with the Ling- Lingua Marina channel? Marina Mogilko, the Russian channel, the blogging. Ah, Russian okay. Channel. So when did you start the, the language channel? The language channel, March 2016. All right, a few years later. Yeah. Did you think that having that YouTube channel helped you at the time to make connections in Silicon Valley and raise raise investments? No. Or not really? Was it too early for it that? Was, it was in Russian, so <laughs> no one from Silicon Valley actually watched my channel but it definitely yeah. helped us uh definitely helps us with some clients because we saw people who started watching my content and they started booking on the platform which was cool mm. do you have a specific goal at the time because uh, with the youtube channel because you just moved there 100 percent. well i guess 100 percent bo- focused on the startup like did you have time to create videos on the side or yeah. was there a strategy there or uh, yeah? it was like I just documented my life. I was like, let me show you our office. And that's it. Or somebody came, like, right now I have all this planning process. I'm like, which video perform better? Let's create a script. Let me invite a videographer to help me film that. Back then I was like, oh, it's quiet now and I have 15 minutes. Let me shoot a video really quickly. And sometimes it will be just one take and I will just post it right away. So it was really easy back then. Hmm. So tell us a bit, little bit about your life nowadays then. Fast forward, well, almost 10 years, I guess. Seven. What, what, what is your... Seven. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what is your life now, like nowadays? I mean, I see you're active on, on, on YouTube all the time. There's like videos popping up like, yeah, it's almost every single day. It feels like that. Team. Yeah, so for example... How do you do this that? Week, thanks to the team? Yeah, it's thanks to the team. This week I only filmed on Monday and that's it. Like the other days, I'm busy with. We have we're, we're doing a lot in lingua trip, so I'm busy with a company, with filing taxes. I feel like this is like a never-ending story. In March, I filed taxes for 2021, and then in April, we had to we set up the retirement plan. Today, I filed taxes for uh, this year, like the first. It's it's just like a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of legal stuff. Um, that I'm dealing with because we have three companies. Uh, so I'm the one who's in touch with all the lawyers and CPAs and setting up all of the retirement, investing, uh, that type of stuff, which is not very Instagrammable. I just sit in front of my laptop all the time. And it's also like kids. Uh, I try to work in the morning so that I can spend more time with them in the afternoon and do, do things. Um, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't really have a schedule, but I try to batch tasks. So Monday is my filming day, and I have a list of things I need to film from my team. Sometimes I invite a videographer to come over. Sometimes I just do it myself. Um, then Tuesday is a day when I do planning calls with different teams uh, so we can have an outlook for, uh, for the week. Um, Wednesday, maybe like additional filming slash office day. Thursday is when I try to kind of relax. I have ballet, like that's the type of stuff. And Friday, just additional work doing stuff like this. So Friday is, you know, you, and then I have a call with YouTube. Oh, it's just a lot of things going on all the time, but batching tasks definitely helps. You work 40 hours per week or more? Less. Or less? A lot less. Yeah, maybe because even like, like 20. because I'm at what today for example I'm at home, but Lily is at home as well. And whenever she hears my voice, she wants to be with me. Yeah. So I work for an hour, I take a break, play with her, get back to work. So maybe like four hours a day. All right, so you work four hours per day. You're one of the most productive YouTubers on the planet at the moment. I mean, yeah, no need to be humble here. Uh, right? Three channels. I don't know the size of the channels by heart, but Lingua Marina? That's the easiest channel. I love it. It's just because I'm so passionate about learning languages. I just sit sit down and, you know, speak about what I like, what I love about the language. Um, and, yeah, the, yeah, that one would be the easiest channel. Uh, but it's like, what, six, six or seven million subs? Six. Six. And then you have your, your personal channel with, with what, over a million? Uh, there is Marina Mogilko, a Russian channel, 1.5 million. And Silicon Valley Girl, 700,000. That one has been growing like crazy. Because uh, I had a page, I had it open on my uh, laptop. And, and it, it said like 680,000 subscribers. And I renewed it today and it was like 700,000. 723. Wow. wow. Yeah, th- seven to four. Shorts are starting to pay In off. the morning, it was seven to three. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's a, because of shorts. They're performing like crazy. Fifty-five. So, can million. you tell us a bit about your? Sorry. Wow, fifty-five million views this on the month. Silicon Valley yeah. channel. So, can you tell us a bit about your video production process? Yeah. Do you have content strategy for all three? Yeah. The channels. Well, I I or? have an idea of what I want to post. So my Russian channel is everything. Like, what do I want to talk about? Because it's it's so old, and I have so so many people there who are interested in different types of things. So today I talked about there was a video about blogging. Last week it was a video about Tesla. Two weeks ago it was just a vlog, and next week it's going to be about English. So it's everything. Um, and I'm really lucky there because people like me for who I am. So they just you know they just enjoy content I create. Lingua Marina is just language. Uh, I did some German videos on that channel, and they actually got some good traction. But it's like I like how you you are able to have multiple languages on one channel. I just you know, for me, I just when I see the video, when I release a video about German, it tanks in terms of views in the first two weeks. I'm like, eh, yeah. too bad. But then it gets. The track. So maybe I should start another channel because I love German. I'm not as proficient uh, as proficient in German as in English, but still, it was it was fun. Um, so that channel is mostly about English. Silicon Valley Girl is mostly about life in Silicon Valley slash business, investing, productivity, like that that type of stuff. 
Uh, sorry, what was the question? So do you have content strategy? Yeah, yeah the question was whether you had content, if you have a content strategy for all the channels and a production team for all the channels. Can you tell us a bit about the process? Like, how does it work? You and your team, you come up with ideas and you have a script writer and you record and then it goes to the video editor. Like, yeah, yeah. And do you have that for all the channels? Tell us Yeah, it's one team works, for because- all the channels. Uh, so my number one person is my YouTube manager who took my course and I hired, she was the, the fir- one of the first people to graduate from my own course because I was hiring people to run a YouTube channel before creating a course. And it was hard because I had to, there is no like this professional, like you, there is a producer kind of profession, but for a lot of creators, it's unaffordable to hire a producer. So I was like, how can I mm. hire a YouTube native person to help me with everything? So the first person, she was just a YouTuber. She was helping me out. But I realized like teaching her took me two months and then she quit. And I'm like, because she decided to be a full-time creator. And I'm like, wow, I have to go through this process again. So I hired another person. She was amazing. Then she was actually, so she quit to work for Toyota to run their YouTube channel. I was like, cool. Now I have to find another person. Like, okay, this time I'm creating a course putting all the work there and I will hire the graduates. Uh, so Ina, my current YouTube manager, she took my course in December, 2020, and she's still with me. She's amazing. She runs everything. Like she's the one who would come up with scripts. We have an English language teacher who helps her when we need like some checks. Like she, she goes through every, every script in the video. Uh, we have two video editors. So basically the way it works is that in the, we'll, we have a notion a template where we create like a list of ideas and then I would drag them from idea um, column into like writing column and in that would do the scripts. Uh, for some videos, I need detailed scripts. Like if I'm doing I don't know, 25 videos in English, um, she would do like 30 idioms and I would select the ones that I like the most. Uh, if I'm doing just a vlog or like Tesla, Video. She would be like, okay, Marina, people on YouTube create Tesla reviews. They talk about charging the battery. They talk about the cost. They talk about this, this, and this. Maybe she would create a spreadsheet for me and I will send her all the information about at least she would do that for me. But the rest is just me in the process. And she will give me some speaking points. Uh, for some videos, there is no script required. I, w- I would just tell her like, I'm, I'm going to film a blog and that's it. And then after we filmed so most of my videos I filmed them myself because I created a studio at home where I can just you know sit down, switch on the light, and start recording. And this is the best. Um, some videos mm-hmm. I go outside with my camera. Sometimes I invite a videographer, which is kind of pricey in Silicon Valley, so I don't do that too often. Um, but maybe like once a month. Um, so and then after the video is ready, I send all the footage to Ina. We have two video editors, and she decides who to give this video to depending on how busy they are. Then we have a short videos editor um, and I will just send yeah. her all the footage myself and she would create shorts. Uh, and Ina would From the same content? Uh, yeah, not really. So three months ago, I would say the same content. These days I am doing a short specific videos. So I will just mm-hmm. film them with my phone and I will create a script beforehand. With the shorts, it's mostly me because I feel that because I'm talking about like the US, like those shorts that are going viral is just me documenting my experience with the shorts where I speak about English in and Angela or teacher, they would help me with, with the scripts or sometimes I would be just like, Oh, let's talk about this. So there is no like determined process, but if I ask them, 
they they help me with the scripting and so and then uh, they work with an editor i have a person who helps me with partnerships and if we have a brand deal for a specific video she will send them to the advertisers sometimes the, 99% of the times they will ask for something else in the video, so we'll do additional recording. Um, and then we post, and uh, Ina also works with a thumbnail designer, but I always come up with titles and thumbnails. Or she will come up with like three different, the, the way it works, she comes up with three different options for title and thumbnail, and I would either create something by myself or select something that she's, um, she's offering. And then we publish, and then she does analytics. So and she also gets bonuses if a video is performing well. Well, that sounds like a pretty solid production process there. Um, so what does the schedule look like? So basically they prepare everything, they prepare the script, and every Monday you have your, your film yeah. day. And then how many videos do you typically record? Three on a, on a for Monday? each channel. Yeah. Okay, so one video for each, each channel and then maybe And maybe a couple shorts, yeah. On top of that. Yeah. Shorts is like this, the process of shooting shorts is very, I don't have a day for it. I try to release two or three shorts a week on each channel. So I don't know, like two days ago, I was at Trader Joe's and I was like, let's make a video. And I was there with my husband. So he just helped me record B-rolls for the shorts. So there is no like a sp mm -hmm. specific day. We don't have too many ads. Like when you have a lot of partners for the videos, then you really need to be on schedule with the shorts. It's more, more creative these days. <laughs> Hmm. So my next question was going to be, why do you think that your channels are growing much faster than the average YouTuber's channel? And then I think the answer is going to shorts, be shorts. Yeah, or not? Or is that not a secret? <laughs> so why do shorts work so well for you and not necessarily for other people who are experimenting around with, with, with shorts? Is there like a certain... Why, do, you, do you agree that they're working better for you than for other channels? I don't know. I see a lot of channels where shorts are performing really well. Um, I think they're, because mm -hmm. I'm not like, I'm not super objective here. I think that the secret to shorts, because it's a different discovery method. Like when you're creating a long video, yeah. a user has an overview of different videos and there you're like competing for their attention with thumbnail and title to catch their attention and to make them click. So they're like making this selection to watch your video with shorts. They don't do anything. They just scroll and the algorithm feeds them. So with shorts, yeah. your task is to grab their attention in the first two seconds with a controversial phrase or stating some problem so, they, so that they keep watching. And all of my shorts, they're like, as an immigrant in the U.S., I've always heard that going to a dentist costs a fortune. Now it's my time to check. And people are like, oh, wow, let, let's do it. Like, because... Even like I made this video surviving on $90,000 a year in California uh, and $90,000 a year in the Bay Area is low income officially. So I made a short uh, surviving on $90,000 a year and uh, it got I don't know, 9 million views, 10, a lot. The video got 17,000 views. See, like this problem is not really, yeah. you know, people don't want to explore it if they're offered it. But if they're like, if it's a different discovery method, if I'm like grabbing their attention with a problem, they're like, oh, let me explore it. Like, it's it's just a different thing. And yeah, and it's been crazy for the past three months with, with this growth. So, so what's the secret to creating a, a good short? I think that one, one thing that you do very well is you, 
you create is curiosity. Yeah, it's like stating right? the like problem. That example that you just gave. Being being a little yeah, like controversial. Surviving on ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Being a little controversial, like surviving on ninety thousand dollars. You like ninety thousand dollars where I live, like in Russia, ninety thousand dollars. Oh my God, you're like one of the richest people because the average salary is like three hundred yeah. bucks a month, maybe less. I don't know. Um, so yeah, like creating this something controversial right from the start, and then having a resolution to the problem at the end of the video. And like also another thing, a lot of B-rolls. Everything that I say, like let me show you how much it costs, blah, blah, blah. So everything that I state, I have a B-roll. Like, and then the doctor mm -hmm. came in with this interesting device and I show the device. So every phrase has to be supported by footage that shows what's going on. And the more relevant yeah. the footage is, the better it is for the video. This is something I learned from Nas Daily. He's like, mm. when, I, when I asked him, what's your secret for videos? He was like, B-rolls. They have to be as relevant as possible. Because sometimes we go to Shutterstock. And like, we're talking about, oh, a lot of students yeah. in the US. And then we have these faces that we've seen everywhere, like plastic acting. You know, I don't know. They'll, like You see, they're not relatable because they're actors and the production quality is amazing but this is not what works for shorts something that's uh raw something that is filmed with an iphone maybe worse quality this is what people are looking for in that type of content i think this is also very because mm. we experimented a lot with repurposed videos from youtube and the i film with the dslr and you can just tell that this video was not made for shorts and you're like why should i bother mm -hmm. if the creator didn't bother creating a short specific videos uh, a short specific video and we noticed that once i switched to creating content specifically for short videos that the traction has been tremendous hmm. how do you learn to become a better youtuber because you just said that you got that tip from 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 nas daily um who else do you follow? Who else do you learn from? Uh, a lot of people, all the time. Graham Stephan is my number one person on how to clickbait. <laughs> he, I'm constantly <laughs> learning. I'm getting enough courage to do something that he does, like when the stock market crashes every week and he's selling everything. Crash, sell yeah, all your stocks stop now. Stop buying yeah. now. Middle class is screwed. So I'm learning from him, but I'm still... Uh, very far from him in terms of like clickbait and uh, but also but his content is amazing and also that like being a bit clickbaity mm. to attract attention but also provide a ton of value in a 13 minute video uh, Graham Steph yeah. and Nesda I'm going to VidCon in two weeks hopefully oh, me oh too. cool oh we're going to see each other there perfect just book my flights oh, today cool. oh that's yeah. amazing yeah so I'm going to be there uh, learning from cool. other creators Nas Daily, he's amazing. Lucy, she's amazing. We just did a collab. Uh, she's such a cool person. And I, like, I, I get inspired by everyone. I love to learn from everyone. Just if I meet a YouTuber, Nate O'Brien, we recently met. Um, I don't know, like so many people. They're also inspiring. <laughs> so th this brings us to the next topic because what are creators who are not living in Silicon Valley or let's say the West Coast, what are we missing out on 
is it really a big advantage to to live where you live no. as, a, as a creator? Because I see you hanging no. out with with Silicon the big shots Valley. all the time. There's like all these no, events. Silicon Valley is the worst. Right? <laughs> well, not the worst because. What about LA then? LA, so let me talk about Silicon Valley first because all of the right, headquarters right. are here. So next week I'm going to YouTube headquarters to talk to a product team, and I've done that several times, which is amazing. Like you get to talk to people who build the product. And because I'm like, I'm not the only creator here, but there are maybe like five creators here in Silicon Valley. Because people come here to build companies, not to become creators. Um, So this place is unique in this way. Um, I'm, I'm testing. So Instagram has rolled out subscriptions features last week for certain creators. Yeah, for me, that. my friend who lives next door, because the guy who's responsible for it is our friend who works at Instagram. So he would be like, he would just give it to, their, to people he knows, which is kind of cool. Like I love being the test group and I like working with product teams um, and with companies and trying to be helpful. Um, LA, there are so many events in LA that I miss out every single day. Like I get an email, oh, Marina, we're doing this poker night with this and this and this creator. Do you want to come over? I'm like, oh, guys, <laughs> six-hour drive. Uh, L.A. is great in that, in, that, in that sense. But I also feel that if I were in L.A., I would just be going to all of the events and I, and I will have FOMO all the time I'm not going. And because I'm so in Silicon Valley, nothing really happens here. And if I am invited, I'm like not worth 12-hour drive back and forth and I want to be with my kids, I'm fine. Um, but I like going there. So we're going for a week around BitCon so I could do content, collab with other creators, um, do fun stuff. So do you think that being there on the West Coast is is a benefit then, is an advantage? Do you think it would have been possible to build your YouTube Absolutely. empire? Absolutely, you could build it from, from anywhere. Out of St. Petersburg? Oh, yeah. Well, not St. Petersburg. Because yeah. <laughs> Instagram is blocked there and TikTok is blocked <laughs> there. But. So I wouldn't say St. Petersburg oh, yeah. anymore. But um, where is uh, Mr. Beast based? He's based in Illinois? Yeah, somewhere in, in North or South oh, Carolina, North, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can build from anywhere. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It's just, it depends on what type of creator you are. Some people like hanging out with other people and meeting creators. Some people like just to focus on what they do. I, I think I'm the type who likes to hang hmm. out with people. Hmm. All right. Let's talk about how you divide your time, right? Because now it seems that you're m- mostly focusing on content creation and then all the legal stuff for the uh, <laughs> legal and right? accounting. Oh how do God. you <laughs> and accounting? So how do you how do you set priorities? Because running one business is not easy. But how do you run three businesses at the time? Why don't you, for example, I mean, this is a choice that I've made recently in my life to to sell a company so that it can put 100% of my focus on the thing that has the most potential. How do you go about that? You, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just, well, first of all, Lingua Trip, I don't run it. My husband runs it and the whole team. So, okay. yes, there are certain products I like to work on and certain things I like to work on, uh, but that's it. It's not like I'm 100% just doing that. Um, and I have so many sides of myself and also, I think I'm the type who always needs to have plan B and plan C in case something happens. And also like my background being Mm. a Russian, like Facebook demonetized me because, you know, some phone number, it was 
Russian, so I can no longer monetize on Facebook. I'm working on it, but still. Um, I think it's just having many options in terms of, in term, like in case something happens, because my parents lost everything in the 90s. My grandparents lost a lot of things. My great-grandfather had a big farm that was taken away from him by Bolsheviks. So it's just, you know, my family history is that mm. every 20 years we lose everything. <laughs> so I'm just, and my yeah. mom is like, in 2022, she's like, oh, it's coming again because, you know, a lot of accounts are being blocked. So I'm just this person who likes to diversify because my family history prepared me that every 20 years, governments or other people take things, mostly governments, take things away from us. So for my own security, I like to do a lot of things at the same time. In case one is taken away, I have the other ones. And I think that's the only way for me to stay sane. Because if I were focused on just, even language trip, if I was focused on just language trip in 2019 when COVID happened, when we went almost to zero revenue with 70,000 people on mm. the team, we would be screwed. Mm. We would have to file for bankruptcy. But I had my channels and, you know, we had, we started working on the online product and we had my channel to promote it. So it was, you know, we could support a family and we just had a baby back then. Um, yeah, 2022 again. Like the history repeats for us every three years. <laughs> every so you, you should be you should be safe now then with, with three companies. I don't know. Companies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they take away all the companies, you're still going to have your your skills, this is, right? And, and this is what I re like. First of all, skills. No one can really take it away from me. So investing in myself and also my friend, she's Ukrainian, and like she lost everything because she was Ukrainian working in Russia. She said the best investment, not stocks, because they were taken away. Real estate, she can't sell it. She bought diamonds, uh, watches, and purses. And this is something she sold everything this year, and she's able to live for a year because she bought so much. She said, like, invest in diamonds, Maria. <laughs> something you can carry with yourself in case, uh, you know, you have to flee the country. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I don't mm -hmm. know, for some people, like, if you're not Russian, Ukrainian, etc., or Iranian, what I'm saying doesn't really make sense because Europe is a pretty stable country. Yeah. U.S. is a pretty stable country. I come from a background where you adapt. <laughs> All right. So we talked a bit about content creation, about how you, uh, about your schedule, how you run three companies at the time. Shall we talk a bit about yeah. investments? Yeah, absolutely. Because this is another benefit so of being in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Tell us all about it because you recently, oh, I think it was last year, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you raised, what was it, 1.2, 1. 1. 1.4? 1. Oh, 1.7. Okay, 1.7 million as an investment in your personal brand. Do I say that correctly? In my creator career. In your creator career. How does that work? Like, do you actively go out there and pitch investors? Because this is not something common, right? And investors usually yeah, invest Yeah, I was in. the first to do it. So the, the story is, I have friends, Libermans. They were CPOs at Snapchat, and they're also like Russian immigrants. And I met them back in 2015. And there are two brothers who always have ideas on how to change the world. And their idea was, why do we invest in startups when we have to invest in people? Because with startups, Silicon Valley's history shows that... Uh, you know, a successful founder probably has two or three companies that failed before starting the next big one. 
And um, investing works in a way that you kind of chase successful founders to be a part of their next venture. And why don't you just figure out who's yeah. talented right from the start, give them the money and own a percentage of everything they do in the future. So they started investing in entrepreneurs this way. And for entrepreneurs, especially if you're just starting out, it's a great way to have funding to test on a lot of ideas instead of spending months on fundraising because fundraising is a process. Like when we were raising for Trip, it took us several months, 100 meetings. It's crazy. It's just draining. Why not have the capital right up front and use it the way you want? And uh, Slow Ventures, Sam Lesson, was inspired by their idea. And he was like, let's, but w- the same can be applied for creators because now we have, now we started to realize that creators who own a community, these are, this is the future of like building a business because once you have a community, yeah. uh, you can do a lot of yeah. different things. And with crypto, Web 3.0, mm. um, monetization that changes where power hopefully goes to creators. A lot of people talk about this, like power to creators, but in reality, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but a lot of people talk about it. So why not invest in a creator um, in their career? Give them money up front to invest in content or for just financial security. In my case, they told me, like, you, if you feel that if you buy a house that gives you more energy to create, then do it. If you want to hire an extra nanny to help you with the kids, then do it. So I can do anything with wow. the money. Um, and anything with my content. I can even stop creating for several years if I feel that this is the best. But there are hope. So it's not like a cash... It is structured as a cash flow deal. Uh, But in reality, it provides a good return um, for investors if I become the next Jeff Bezos of creator space. Maybe in five years, we have a company that allows creators to IPO and I sell my shares. And you will be able to buy Lingua Marina shares on the stock market. And this is how investors exit. Or in five years, I have a contract with Netflix, which is worth several million. And they get their money or part of their money back. And I think, again, this is a great thing. I would love to invest in creators myself. Right now, it's harder because my deal took six months to structure with a lot of legal stuff. There is no... um, legal foundation to invest in people yet but i would be you know and this is what we understand like we don't 20 30 something people a lot of us don't understand companies financials but we understand who's a great creator um and so yeah yeah i think it is definitely the future investing investing in people and we're just starting out and again this is a benefit of being in silicon valley they wanted a creator who's local uh, who they can understand, who is like in Silicon Valley. Also, when you invest in someone, you want to make sure they are legit and like that you have common friends mm. who know them. And Lieberman's have been friends yeah. for seven years, and they told me like Marina, we we knew that you were in this for a long run when you had a baby, and a week later you were making <laughs> a video. <laughs> Determination Videos again. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, like she's determined. Yeah. She's, she's going to make it. And they paid they pay you $1.7 million for, was it 5%? 5% of profits, of, yeah. So that means that they evaluated your creative career, well, 1.7 times 36. 20. Yeah. Is, uh, 34 or 36? Yeah. 34. I think, yeah, yeah 34. 34 million. That's quite, that's quite a number there. Um 
I mean, you're still young. So yeah, why not? And and the economies, the industry is is booming as well. So that that one point seven million, like, did you have a? How do you invest that money? Is there a way? Because there's only one link, one marina, right? Like you cannot. There's only so many things that you can do. How do you use capital to speed up the growth of your? YouTube channels, maybe of your creator I invest in startups. This is what I started doing right away. I started investing in creator-related startups. Uh, Most of them are here in Silicon Valley or LA. Um, And I feel like having money up front is great in terms of investing because you can participate in companies. And right now, it's like I've been in Silicon Valley for seven years, and no one would ever take money from a creator. Like, seriously, why would you take money from a creator? But last year, everybody realized it's great to have a pool of creators who invested in your company because they will be just promoting you organically. So I became an advisor to several mm. companies. Uh, I invested in several companies. I'm talking to a lot of companies all the time and learning from them and trying to help them. So angel investing, I haven't really started using the money yet, honestly, because my business generates enough for me to like do things that I want. For me right yeah. now, it's more like this financial security, financial stability, and uh, understanding yeah. that I can do things. And if an opportunity comes, like maybe I would buy an investment property and create the whole series about like renting out a property because this content is really good for YouTube and it's also really interesting. So it just gives me broader thinking about what I want to do. And I don't have to be in this constant hamster wheel of like doing partnerships that I don't want to do uh, because I just need money to support yeah. my team. Yeah. I'm just trying to get an understanding of what's including that. How do they calculate your profits within your creator career? Like everything that's all the profits from no, Food no, no. Express those, and those Lingua Trip, that's another company, separate. right? Yeah. Something but that then is But then everything that you... Yeah, but then all the uh, all the money that's generated from, from my creator, your yeah, YouTube from my channels creator activities. and your yeah, creator, creator investment. investments. Maybe I start advising startups, um, posting content on the channels. Um, what else? Creating courses, products as a creator. Maybe I, I decide to launch a line. Maybe Stanford invites me to teach a course in creator economy, like that. Those types of things. But if I decide, like, if I'm selling LinguaTrip or doing something with LinguaTrip, that's a different part. Because, well, LinguaTrip was started before I even became a creator. So I think it's, it was, like, yeah, we mm. had the whole discussion around that. Yeah. All right. Is there any final advice? Or do you have any final, <laughs> any final words for this interview, at least? Is Silicon Valley worth for it? For most people, no. <laughs> It's like, it's crazy expensive. Um, I don't know. I'm like this type of person who Even- likes to be in the center of innovation. I love, like, the. Yeah. if you ask me what are the times when I'm the happiest, well, first of all, kids, of course. But second is talking to talented, amazing people who want to change the world. I get so much energy from it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, on Sunday, like... The typical event in Silicon Valley, on Sunday, we're going to Stanford because they have this commencement speech by the founder of Netflix. Like, I am so, instead of, yes, if I were in St. Petersburg, I would go to see ballet. Like, that's great, museum. But this is something that's beyond inspiring for me. Um, You know, just being around 
these people and being able to talk to someone who creates a product. Uh, guys who created Beacons, they're 40-minute drive from here. Uh, you know, next week I'm meeting another founder who's creating a startup for... It's, it's just, you know, being around those people. Uh, but for, you know, for mm-hmm. if you're a creator, if you want to, you know, something else, Silicon Valley is just too expensive. And I think you need a lot of income streams to really survive here, which doesn't really make sense if you don't want to build a startup. How much do you need to, to live that comfortably? A lot. In a, in a separate house with, with two yeah. or three bathrooms? Uh, you talk about it on, on the Silicon yeah, Valley yeah. channel, right? Um, what were some of the numbers yeah, that you shared? Yeah, 7,500 is the rent here. Um, and this is after tax. <laughs> and tax in Silicon Valley can go up to, what is it, 37 maximum federal, I think? 13 California. So yeah. it can be up to... If people sell companies here, they pay over 50% tax if it's a cash deal. So it's after tax. Mm. And, you know, a lo- daycare, 2600 a month. For, like in the U.S., there are no free daycares. Yes, really? you have to pay. We're, we're, we're paying like 800 euros, and I thought it was too expensive. 2600 welcome to <laughs> Silicon Valley. You're paying three yeah. times more. And, uh, you know, everything. Yeah insurance cpas legal costs oh my god yes it's a lot and maybe someday we will think like oh my god it's not worth it but right now because we're like in our 30s we have all this energy in the world we just want to to get like i want to be in the place where i feel like i'm the dumbest person (laughs) silicon valley Just tells me that every single day, Marina. Where you are the poorest. You're not doing anything. You're not changing the world. (laughs) Because two two days ago, Dima was talking to Sergey Brin. He's our neighbor. Like, where in the world could this happen? And it's just been so inspiring. Yeah. Uh, And when we lived in San Francisco, Travis Kalanick would go to the same store. Uh, and a lot of people might say he's not the best example, but he was able to build this company. You know, it's just, I don't know, like f- being in the center of the world and feeling that you're so, 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 so far away from these people. <laughs> it's a great motivator. <laughs> All right. Marina, thank you so much. Is there any, is there like a last message that you want to give to our listeners, like fellow Creed, content shorts, creators who Creed, are trying to shorts, crush it? Right away, today. Shorts, shorts, shorts. And both them on TikTok and Reels. Shorts, shorts, shorts. Like, it's crazy how much growth there is. Uh, growth there is. Uh, there is not too much cash in there right now, but I feel that attention is much more important, yeah. especially if it's provided for free right now by the platform. Hmm. Is uh, one of the three platforms that's performing much better than, than the than the others? Um, depends on the video. That's really depends. I would say than, yeah. YouTube mm. will be number one for me. Uh, I would say like a month ago it was TikTok. Right now I think it's YouTube uh, because I think the algorithm is slightly different, and so I think TikTok evaluates every single video on its individual basis. So it's like. It doesn't really care yeah. how much traction you've had in the past, but I might be wrong here. But with YouTube Shorts, I feel that because I had three or four shorts that that are performing well, it gives like this extra push to every new short. This is what I what I've seen in the past four to five weeks. Again, because this is it's 
constantly changing, so it might not be true in a month or so. But yeah. All right. If our audience wants to learn more about how to do shorts, I, I do. think you have a course yeah. on that, right? So where can they go? Yeah, yeah, I have a shorts, a short videos course about TikTok, Instagram, where? and YouTube in my link in bio uh, on uh, Instagram. All right. All right. So we're all going to check out your Instagram and your YouTube channel. I will post the links in uh, in the show notes. Thank Marina, you. Thank, thank you so you. much. That's great. All right, that was it for today. I hope you liked this episode. And if you like this episode, you know what? You don't even need to leave a review. Today, I'm just going to ask you to refer a friend, right? So if you have a friend you think could benefit from the Creator Smarts podcast, forward this episode to them and uh, they will appreciate it, well, hopefully at least. Thanks.